Hey, this is Mike. This is also Mike. And this is Lindsay. And you are listening to Forgotten Failures. Um, and this week, uh, we are not reviewing an obscure forgotten film because we already reviewed it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're taking the cheap way out we're, this year. We're taking the cheap yeah. way out because uh, this is from a movie that we've already watched. This is um, from Bullseye. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if you remember Mike D, do you do you have a um a, a do you remember enough to do a little uh, break D, a mini break D? Yes. <laughs> oh, what uh, you bulls- remember, Bullseye, D. as I'm sure everyone is aware, especially anyone who was alive in 1989 or whenever the heck it was made, is the blockbuster story of Michael Caine and Roger Moore as old pals who are criminals who impersonate uh, nuclear scientists and steal their nuclear technology, and then uh, Sally Kellerman helps them pull off their con art artistry. Anyway, it's a really bad movie, and what's especially bad about it is what you're about to hear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a movie where you learn that uh, Michael Caine does a terrible Michael Michael Caine impression, <laughs> Pro- possibly the worst, possibly yes. the worst Michael Caine impression I've ever heard was has been done by Michael Caine in this movie. Yeah, I think we all had kind of mixed reviews about this movie too. Yeah, yeah. It was it, it was kind of up in the air, I think. Um, but yeah, so the the whole movie, um, there's this nar- narration throughout by Michael Caine, and it always kind of seemed weird because it would cut in at weird times. The way that he would talk, like it sounded too familiar, too friendly to be yeah. like a, a narration. And we realized towards the end that it's actually, it it's him like telling, telling a story, story yeah. to somebody like at a bar or something. Yeah. And so we thought, well, what, what did this sound like to the person sitting at the bar, <laughs> listening to this old man <laughs> go on about this stupid fucking story. Um, and so we made that possible by cutting down uh, all the audio. So it's just Michael Caine's narration. And, yes. I mean, uh, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say the person listening to the story would be impressed, but old man is kind of harsh. Uh, what was he at this time? 58 or something? <laughs> he was an old man. He's old enough. Yeah. He was old, old enough, enough to know better. Old man. Yeah. <laughs> he was old enough to have a fully grown daughter he didn't know about. So. Yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. He's old enough to develop his own idea of what Michael Caine sounds like, which is not Michael Caine, but <laughs> Michael Caine as a sort of uh, Cockney Victorian vaudeville jokesmith. Yeah, yeah, it's like someone doing a Michael Caine impression, but in this case, it's Michael Caine. <laughs> Wait, doing maybe it's Caine actually impression. Roger Moore doing his Michael Caine impression. Oh, maybe. Because oh, sometimes, like, if you had your eyes closed and you were listening to it, you're like, oh, just another person doing a terrible Michael Caine, Michael Caine impression. <laughs> and then it, you'd open your eyes and be like, oh my God, this was Michael Caine. <laughs> How is that possible? How's the Michael Caine was coming doing- from inside the Michael Caine the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that, that's what we have for you. Enjoy. Enjoy. They say that everybody in the world has someone somewhere who looks like they do. It was my bad luck that the man who looked like me was an American scientist working on some scheme to produce cheap electricity by a thing called fusion. His name was Dr. Daniel Hickler. He was an idiot. The girl is with the Central Intelligence Agency. More of her later. And the smooth-talking double-crosser down there is Hickler's partner, Sir John Bavistock. Now, while these two were overcome by their own genius, I was a few miles away, detained as a guest of Her Majesty. That means I was in prison. That's me. Sydney Lipton. While I'm starting my new life, 
A man who was part of my old life is about to pull one of his little zingers. Here he comes, dressed to kill. A cheap crook called Gerald Bradley Scott. Need a lady in black. Gerald and me shared an apartment with her when we were young. She's the last character in our story. Her name is Willie. That Gerald, he loves dressing up. This is his idea of how to get Hickler's key. Blimey, the girls thought we were real scientists. And then, who turns up to the convention? The real Hickler and Babstock. How come half the police of London ganged up on us? Well, little did we know that the security of our great nation needed crooks like us to help out. So off we went to mislead foreign powers by selling them false plans, while those idiots in the security service try and get the real ones from Hitler and Pavistock. This was not my normal game. I needed a drink. Meanwhile, the CIA's junior genius, posing as Willie's daughter, is trying to figure out where Babistock and Hitler hid the real fusion plans. This is when things began to get really nasty. Who should turn up but the man who was meant to be in jail? That crooked two-timing scientist, Dr. Daniel Hitler. At this point, Hitler had me rather inconvenienced. Still, I had an idea how to get free. Just as well seeing that Flo, who was meant to be protecting us, had gone off with Willie to look for the real fusion plans in some village. While the girls were hot on the trail of the real fusion plans, who turns up, without them knowing it of course, but the second man we most don't want to see, Sir John Babistock. This was getting too much. Willie and Flo are running around the countryside, Hickley's running around my compartment. Have I got news for Gerald? I've got to catch him before he starts his auction. Blimey. I started out a thief, then I became a secret agent. Now I might be a father. Nice looking girl, too. Just as we thought it was safe to go back in the dining car, who turns up in the kitchen? Sir John Babistock. Did you hear that? They want Gerald and me dead. That's what happens when you cooperate with the security services. This is a major double cross. Now they're deliberately letting Babistock go. If we'd have known all about this, Gerald and me would have quit. Diamonds or no diamonds. As it turned out, it's just as well we stayed. Oh, this looks very nice. Now for some real food. We look so much like them, and they look so much like us. Even I had trouble knowing who I was. There go Babistock and Hitler. And here come Gerald and me trying to catch up. Those are not nice people. All we had was a ticket home. Things could only get better. And they did. At last, luck had come our way. We had the real fusion plans. Being patriotic, the first people we offered them to was the British government. They agreed to cough up all the diamonds they said we could keep, plus a whole lot more. Mind you, they weren't too happy about it. After all that, Flo went to live in New Mexico. She makes jewellery. Willie married a senator from the Midwest. Gerald and me, we ended up in Barbados. Bavistock and Hitler got what they deserved. They went to jail. And three years later, the fusion plant, based on their plans, was ready for its official opening. They say everyone in the world has someone somewhere who looks just like they do. It was my bad luck that I met a man on the beach in Barbados 
who looked just like that movie star, John Cleese. We gave him the cash to make a film of our story, and he turned out to be a con man who ran off with all of our money. Just shows you can't trust anyone. I trusted you. And I got you the money. You went and lost it. You got it? You were stealing luggage from outside hotels. Sydney, we are broke. So, we've been broke before. Blimey, blimey, this was getting too much. Japan!